Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. I am very excited, extremely excited. Might be a stretch, maybe come like Friday night, but I'm very excited for the XFL. The Super Bowl is over. Kansas City Chiefs, congratulations, me and the NFL. But not even a week goes by. We start on Saturday, some earlier in the day games as well on Saturday and then into Sunday. Four game slate, DraftKings FanDuel got it right after some early blunders. You're going to get these four game slates, six figure prize pools. So I'm covering it. Your boy, we're covering it. Very excited to have you here. If this is your first time finding me, maybe you're just into XFL content and now you want to play DFS. Maybe you're into DFS and you didn't really find me until now and now there's not a lot of people putting out XFL content. My name is Sal Vetri. I do this full time. I create content. I'm a content creator at a media company that I started. I have a ton of fun doing this in the DFS space and the fantasy sports space. And yes, I'm covering the XFL and I love it. I love the fact that you have to grind for the information. You have to DM beat writers yourself listen to every ounce of podcast and read every article you possibly can find because there's just not a lot of people who are going to do that. It's very much like the NFL preseason. It's very much like at least last year, years ago, the WNBA before that started to get more publicized by the athletic. But what we're going to do here is go position by position. And I ask you, please do hit the subscribe button. It's totally free to do that. And if you want more of my exclusive content, I do have content for the XFL, NBA, PGA, all the other sports that will be coming live in a couple of months as of right and as as well right now. Over on my Patreon, XFL, we're going to be doing a every Tuesday, probably just a recap of the previous week, usage, game notes, um, the games themselves, plays that were happening, uh, podcast there. And then I'll do a closing thoughts podcast on probably th- Friday evening, somewhere around there, discuss ownership, plays that I'm on, situations that have changed, injury news, uh, and where I'm at. Here over on YouTube, we'll be doing this first look video every Monday, looking at the salaries, how some things have changed, go more in depth over on Patreon on the Tuesday show. And then also come again on Thursday, we'll do sort of a final thoughts where I'm at uh, as of Thursday, some things will change with the Friday show, and then I'll do a live show uh, Saturday before the games start as well. Uh, But that's the XFL schedule. We get about 10 weeks of it, some playoffs, it goes to the end of April, very excited for this. So hit the subscribe button, you can check out that exclusive content, follow me on the social medias as well. If you're new here and you just found my content, let me know in the comments down below as well. We're going to start with the quarterback position. So I'll throw out a couple things there. There's a lot of different rules. I urge you to go and check the different rules that are in this league. But one of the biggest rules, especially for the offensive style of play, and we have yet to see the over-unders, and I think a big reason why is uh, Vegas doesn't know how this game is going to go, these games are going to go, because we don't have all the depth charts. We only have about 25% of the team depth charts as I record this, but you can project a lot of them at this point. We'll get the rest of the depth charts as this week goes on and in the, in the game's approach on Saturday and Sunday. But the big thing is that there's shorter uh, play clocks in terms of just snap uh, counts. There's it's, it's about half the time as the NFL, as college football. So you're going to see much quicker tempo, but there's also a running clock. The clock does not stop. So you would think that that counteracts it, but the XFL actually put into effect a lot of these um, just these running clocks and, and the shorter play clocks, and they're getting a ton of more plays a game. They seem very optimistic of like a team having 80 plays per game, but apparently they've tested it out. They played preseason games. They worked out their overtime rules, which are um, very interesting. They're extra point rules. There's no more extra point attempts. You either go for a one-pointer, a two-pointer, or a three-pointer, depending on where on the field you go for it. One foot inbounds for receptions. Lots of different kickoff rules. You cannot start running as a kickoff um, unit until anybody on the kickoff team cannot start running until it actually goes into the kick returner's hands, uh, and then they cannot run up either to it. Um, But a bunch of new rules. So check them all out. But the biggest thing is that a lot more tempo is going to naturally happen here. 
It's going to factor in and really help offenses, I would believe, right off the bat, at least as the season starts. Excited to see how that works. They have a double for, uh, double forward pass rule, which is basically trying to take out the uncertainty and the game stoppages to try and review, was that a fumble? Did he throw it like barely behind him on those types of plays that are lateral? Now you can throw a double forward pass uh, between a certain amount of yardage. So that's pretty cool as well. And the second player who throws that pass will be the only person to get accredited for the yardage. So if a quarterback throws to a wide receiver, wide receiver throws it deep, then that's going to be the only person the wide receiver to get points for fantasy other things like that urge you all to check out the rest of the rules those are the main ones but here's our map um early in the week again these will change i i have it hidden right now but you can see right here this rank column i'll rank this later in the week on the thursday show some more incentive to come back to this video and see where i'm at at the end of the week about a 20 minute episode this will be and that one but right now, early interest for me, just a yes and no, or maybe the X stands for maybe if you're new here. Cardell, jo- Cardell Jones is a yes for me. Look, he's versatile. Uh, he definitely, in my opinion, has the best arm in the NX- uh, XFL. He had one of the better arms coming out of college of Ohio State. The one-year guy won the championship, maybe sort of a fluke. They didn't work out in Buffalo. They didn't really work out in the NFL. Now he's going to come here and be one of the best three quarterbacks Um best three or four, depending on how you want to rank the Aaron Murray's, the Josh Johnson's, the Landry Jones, once he comes back from injury, maybe he'll be back from injury. We'll touch on that in a second. But I really like Cardell Jones. I really like what they did. So they went out and they traded Trey McBride, who was on the Jaguars practice squad in the uh, in the NFL preseason. He had a really good preseason, just didn't make it. Um, and then they traded him for uh, Ross. And Ross was a huge player in the AFF, probably the the number one, Sean Ross, the number one player in the AFF. Uh, and now this works out a lot because Cardell Jones wants to throw the ball downfield. Ross is a much more downfield threat as McBride was more of a possession receiver. So it's a perfect fit in my opinion. It's a really good um, just overall offense. They have a lot of weapons um, in the passing game, and they're really going to favor the passing game. The two Texas teams from D.C., um, or the two Texas teams from Dallas and then Houston are going to be probably the best passing offenses in the entire league. But then what you're going to see after that is DC and Cardell Jones come in right after that, just based on how they're setting up their offenses, the personnel they have, a lot less blocking in terms of tight end blockers. If they have a tight end, they're more of a pass catcher, probably not using tight ends at all. But Cardell Jones uh, in DC, they have probably the most uh, a loaded wide receiver corpse right up there as a top two or three wide receiver corpse in the field. They want to attack downfield. Uh, Cardell at 10,200, you're paying for him, of course. But the quarterback position, especially before week one of the XFL season, might be the most secure thing we know at this point, uh, because a lot of these wide receivers where their pricings are can be completely wrong. I think a lot of guys are underpriced, and some of the guys who are at the top end in pricing a wide receiver seem like they deserve it, but how much do they deserve it until you actually see them go out there and play? They had preseason games recently, but not a lot you can take from that. Connor Cook's the other guy I like. So we don't have yet an official depth chart, but he's projected to be the number one quarterback for the Houston uh, Roughnecks. Now, it's something to keep an eye on for Houston because if Philip Walker starts, I would like him just as much and like him a lot at 7,800. But I'm expecting, and so is DraftKings based on the pricing, Connor Cook to start. Houston is going to be the best passing offense in the league. They do not care about having a tight end on their roster. They can care less in terms of using tight ends in this um, in their scheme right now. They are going to be a pass-first offense, a heavy offense in terms of um, air raids, down-the-field approach. They have wide receivers. Just their Three of their top five picks were wide receivers. Their number one pick, um, number two pick was a wide receiver. They have a ton of talent. Sammy Coates is on this team, former Pittsburgh Steeler. We're going to be the big name you recognize in the receiving core when we get there. This team's just going to want to pass the ball. Uh, dating back to college, Jim Jones only threw to running backs about 10% of the time. He's going to throw the ball downfield. This is a really good spot for Connor Cook, as long as he's named the starter. At his price point of 9400 depending on how you build your lineups, he might be my favorite quarterback of the week. 
at least early on. Aaron Murray was going to be a yes for me. These teams, Tampa Bay and New York played in the preseason. Um, It's a situation where Aaron Murray, he has all the talent in the world coming out of college in this format of a a skill gap below the NFL in terms of the talent you have in it. He's going to fit it very well. The issue is he's going up against New York, who has very strong defensive backs, probably the best defensive backs in the entire league right now. And they really stonewalled Tampa Bay in the preseason game. Now it's hard to take it from a one game sample. Uh, Tampa Bay on some books opened up as seven and a half over under wins. That seems rather high. FanDuel, some other books opened up, had them at less. I think that makes more sense. The big reason that I don't like Murray is because of one, the matchup, or maybe not don't like him, but he's not an overwhelming yes, is one, the matchup, and two, Antonio Callaway, uh, former Cleveland Brown guy who's had a ton of issues with just staying out of trouble in terms of just uh, suspensions and also just staying in shape during the regular season. He got carted off the field in practice this past week. He was projecting to be their number one or number two receiver, probably their most talented downfield receiver on the team. And now he's not going to be able to play against a very good secondary. You're down another body does not say seem that well. So Murray, although you don't know how much to really take into account these defenses yet, it seems very obvious that the defensive backs on New York in this league are the best, in my opinion, from what you've seen, from what you've seen on paper, scouting, uh, and actually in these preseason games, that gives me a little bit of pause on Murray. Uh, you have Jordan Ta'amu and Ta'amu, sorry, 8,700. He won the starting job in St. Louis. There was sort of a quarterback battle there with him and Taylor Heineke, former NFL backup, had some run as well while he was in the NFL. The issue here is he's an uncertain case. He's an inexperienced rookie out of uh, Ole Miss. Is this an NFL prep for him? If he does well here, he'll probably just leave to go to the NFL. He's a very strong um, backup quarterback type of player, but he's now going to be taking on a starting role. A very risky play. He has an undersized defensive line that he'll be going up against, and he's mobile, so that's good to see. And his price point's nice at 8,700. The issue is this St. Louis team is probably going to rely more on their running backs here, have a lot of running backs on the depth chart. So it's a situation where I'd rather have Aaron Murray, even with a tougher match for $300 more, and I'd definitely rather get to Connor Cook. He's a wild card at best, is what I would say. We don't know a lot about him, so I imagine he'll go very under the radar in his ownership, and there is rushing upside there out of him. Matt McGloin, former Penn State Nittany Line, former Oakland Raider. He's 9,700. I have some interest. We saw in the preseason, he lit it up for three touchdowns, looked very well. Uh, his issue is he has a small offensive line against Tampa Bay. It would be a tough matchup for him to stay upright. Former NFL quarterback. The problem for me is wide receiver injuries. Um, you've seen Yancey out of LSU, former Packer. He got drafted by the Packers. He's gone down with injury. He, he was projected to be their number two wide receiver, and it's a loaded backfield. They kept four running backs on this roster. I believe that Matt McGloin probably overpriced because of his preseason performance. Yes, he had the three touchdowns versus Tampa Bay in the preseason. It's a situation where I don't want that to um, sway me too much when he's at a high price point of 9,700. So he's definitely in play, just not in that top tier of Cardell Jones and Connor Cook for me. Philip Nelson for Dallas right now. So here's the deal. Landry Jones might be the best player in this entire league, the most touted player in the entire league, right up there with your your Cardell Jones. Your Josh Johnsons, your uh, Christian Michaels, your Cameron Artis Paynes, the running backs, all those types of players. The issue is that Landry Jones is going to be questionable for week one and probably leaning more towards doubtful. He's going to try and practice this week and see what happens. So right now I'm acting as if he's not going to play. And the backup there would be Philip Nelson in a nice offensive scheme in Dallas where they're going to kind of take this as an air raid offense. You're going to have Lance Dunbar, a very nice pass catching running back in the offense. Cameron Artis Payne, the former Carolina Panther, will be the number one running back, but Dunbar is going to be involved a lot in their offense that wants to pass the ball a ton. They have very quality wide receivers. Jazz Ferguson was on the Seattle Seahawks depth chart. He was in the preseason for them, did not have a good preseason, or actually did not have really uh, mainly a good camp after that. 
Um, and then they got Bidette, who was their number one overall pick of wide receivers. So some good quality wide receivers on this team. It's just an issue of Philip Nelson is a backup. He's in a very good scheme right behind Houston, in my opinion, these two Texas teams as the two best passing offenses. It's a situation where you have Cameron Sardin Payne, you have Lance Dunbar, you even have depth behind him in terms of Austin Walter, who's another running back on this team we'll talk about. Lots of guys that you can give the ball to and just get by for one week. Um, so it might not be a situation where you want to test Philip Nelson, but again, should be lower on. And Josh Johnson, because of his price point, I might not get there. But if Landry Jones is out, him and Cardell Jones are probably the two best quarterbacks that are going to be playing this weekend, at least on paper. He has a physical offensive line. Um, there's going to be a lot of fullback usage, which leads to me to believe that they're going to run the ball a little bit more than people expect them to do. Uh, just based on some coaching interviews, they want to use a fullback, which is uh, something that you don't usually see all that often in today's XFL or NFL. This is a defense that they're going to be facing that I touched on how strong the defensive backs of New York are because that's factoring in the safeties. But if you're just looking at cornerbacks alone, Houston might have the best cornerbacks in the league, at least the best ball skill cornerbacks. So a good defense in the secondary unit. He has mobility, Josh Johnson. Um, I would prefer Cardell Jones for $500 less, uh, but I think that he's fine to get to. It's just, if you're choosing between those two top end guys, I prefer Cardell Jones and then Connor Cook after that, probably just based on his price point, my favorite quarterback. Some other things to point out here. Um, I don't really have much interest in Brandon Silvers. He won the job in Seattle over BJ Daniels. Um, They have five tight ends. Some teams don't even have a single tight end on their roster. Um, I imagine the official depth chart should cut that tight end number down. I would hope so. Most teams have zero to two. They're going to go very run heavy in Seattle. Um, Be an interesting team to watch. It's really hard to get a read on them right now. They don't have the greatest of wide receivers. So a situation where I just don't feel like paying 8K for that type of a quarterback. Um, But let's get into the running back position. As we get into the running back position, I'll say once again, if you do want to support me over on Patreon, you totally can. It's linked up down below. And follow me on Twitter. Hit me with a follow. Shoot me a Twitter, DM anything, any types of questions you have. Very excited about the XFL. It's all about information for week one. Nobody has any stats or, or databases to go off of. It's all about how you perceive the information you get, how you then project players from there. And I'll have all of that in-depth, more information on Patreon, as well as later in the week here on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button. And if you're on the podcast, leave a review. How those ears doing? Running back position. So Lots of running backs, of course. These depth charts are going to get cut down to probably three for most teams. Some teams have already kept four running backs. Cameron Sarton Payne at the top. I have him as a yes because the price point of 6,800 is very good. Now, Dallas is going to want to throw the ball. If they have their backup quarterback in, maybe they want to run a little bit more. Artis Payne probably is not going to be projecting out as a guy who catches a lot of passes, even though they want to throw the ball a lot because Lance Dunbar is also on this team. He is the guy who has been involved in the passing game in camp. He was involved in the passing game when he was at Dallas in the NFL. His problem has been staying healthy. He has been battling injuries, but he's expected to play. So Cameron started paying at 6,800. In this game where there's going to be a ton of plays run, like we said, there's just a, a shorter snap count or shorter snap clock on it, a shorter and a running clock. So high tempo, Cameron Sergeant Payne, just because of the amount of plays being run, might see 20 carries. And that's very good at 70 or 6,800, where a lot of these other backfields are battling with three or four guys, or they're going to be um, not as much uh, willing to run the ball, like probably Houston. He has a strong offensive line. He's a former, uh, former SEC running back as well. Um, he was, when he was there, he now has Stoops um, as his head coach here in Dallas. So uh, who coached OU, if you not remember Bob Stoops coaching OU in college, and they ran very efficiently. Now you remember some of the quarterbacks that they had, some of them definitely mobile quarterbacks, but in terms of their running schemes as well, went more under the radar because of how good their quarterback play was. But I think he's going to lose the passing game work, but at the price point, it seems already built in. I do like him. Lawrence Cook is probably a guy who, look, you're going to see three or four running backs. Um, they're expected to run out of committee here. So you're getting a nice price point of 6,100 because of that. 
This is a guy who I don't have as much confidence in. I put him as a yes, but not as much confidence as the other yeses on here. So the 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 coach that is the running backs coach for this New York team also coached the Giants. He stayed in New York. He coached the Giants. And in 2005, they had two 1,000-yard running backs. So Lawrence Cook is going to be one of the preferred options. He can be a guy who really breaks free in this offense. It's yet to be seen because there's so many guys who are going to have an opportunity. But if I had to bet on one of these two guys or two of these four running backs having 800 plus yards this season, and I guess with less games, you're not going to have that type of usage, but 700, 800 plus yards, Cook would be one of them. That starts week one, um, a situation where the defensive line play is going to be hard to go up against, but 6,100 out of these four guys right now, he's probably my fourth favorite. And then Christian Michael, probably the best running back in this league on paper. Um, just former Seattle Seahawk. If he wasn't already selected to this team, he probably would have joined the Seahawks over Marshawn Lynch. I b- would definitely believe that just talent wise. And maybe who knows, they beat the Packers in the playoffs if, he, if they have him. But he's lining up in a situation where St. Louis is, is going to want to run the ball here. They've already come out and pretty much said it. They're keeping tight ends on the roster. They have a very good offensive line. Uh, Christian Michael, you're paying for him at 8,400, but he seems like the most secure play that you can have without having any experience behind it. I'd rather pay up for quarterback before I paid up for running backs. Um, And in a lot of situations, I'd rather pay up for some of these um, wide receivers before some of these running backs. There's not a lot of options just because you have more security with them on the field. But in Christian Michael's case, by far and away, in my opinion, the number one um, running back out there in St. Louis. Matt Jones is behind him, not a guy who's gotten a lot of hype so far. Uh, I I think that you can feel pretty confident in those $8,400 price tag having 20 plus touches or at least opportunities out of Michael this week. Lance Dunbar is the last guy. We already talked about him. He's going to be the pass catching option. He's so cheap. He's 4,400. If I had to project this as a season long, I would say he's going to be in the top five in running back receptions in the league as the backup on his team. Um, So Lance Dunbar in a PPR format thrives at 4,400 in my opinion. He's been the pass catching specialist in his career and in this camp. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. But in DFS formats, it's a week to week thing. So we don't really, we're not as concerned with that as season long. So in my opinion, Cameron Arspain, Lawrence Cook, um, Christian Michael and Lance Dunbar are the guys that I like the most. And there's a pretty long laundry list, if you will, of guys after that, that I like a couple and really all the DC backs are really hard to choose from at this point. I don't want to prioritize any of them because you have Presley, you have Pumphrey and you have Brosette. It's really hard to say which one of these guys is going to come out. They have three to four viable backs on their roster. Now, Presley and Pumphrey are going to be the one and two options on this team, a team that behind Cardell Jones' arm, they're going to be running behind him. So it'll be a nice setup in terms of if they're trying to go with some play action, establish that run. But Presley is a guy who I can see you getting to, but not a guy that I want to pay top dollar for because you have Pumphrey back here, had a great college career. And he's a guy that I can see getting very similar work to Presley. Now on the depth chart, he's behind him as of right now, the projected depth chart. Still a situation there. The $2,800 difference is a situation that I don't think that's appropriate. If both these guys were priced at $6,500, I'd say that's fine. But being as you see a big gap here, I'd rather have uh, Pumphrey. But then Nick Brissett, he was on the New England Patriots preseason um, squad, and he ended up having like a 20-carry game. Two really nice preseason games. He hasn't been used much in camp, which is an issue. But at 3400 they did say that they want to see what they have in him still, and they do like him. He made the depth chart. He's going to be playing this weekend. He's only 3,400. He's a very risky play, but I am not shocked to see him go out there who had pass catching skill set in the preseason, at least with the Patriots. Um, I'm not surprised to see him go out there and get 10 to 12 touches at 3,400. And if he does something good with them, maybe he's rewarded with a couple more. So no, by no means do I have any confidence in him. But out of all these DC backs, I think the guy I like the most is Pumphrey. But I think a lot of people will see his name and he'll be over owned in that price range. Whereas at the end of the day, they might run the ball in this game 
35, 40 times, and it can be completely split down the middle between three or four of their backs. Uh, Elijah Hood in, in LA would be above all of those DC backs for me. He's a guy who has a little bit more gap between him and the next guys in his offense. It's priced in at 7,500, but you have Presley who's 7,900 and actually has competition in his backfield. Hood doesn't have much competition. Uh, it's a situation though where they might get down in this game, which is a concern. I do think that Elijah Hood will be fine in the passing game. So I think he's okay. Darius Victor would be that other running back that I mentioned how uh, the Giants, they had 2,000 yard running backs and they really prioritized a a two running back committee. That same running back coach is now um, on the XFL New York team. So uh, with Lawrence Cook there is the guy that I like the most at 6,100, the guy that I would favor as the second most and maybe even can make a surprise and break away over Cook would be Darius Victor. I think he's fine. Again, three to four running backs in this backfield. He projects to me as a top two guy. He's only 3,700. Not much after that. Um, a guy that I think is very, very sneaky. So both the Seattle backs, Kenneth Farrell would be the guy that you want to own. He's going to be the starter, the guy who gets the prime primary early down work. And this is an offensive line that is loaded. SEC, a bunch of SEC guys and Big Ten guys used to moving guys in the running game. Um, so I actually would probably put Kenneth Farrell. So I have Kenneth Farrell as a maybe right now. He's he's the closest to a yes for me, okay? So I'll put him as a yes. He's slightly ahead of Elijah Hood. He's cheaper. He's just in a more run-friendly um a more run friendly uh, offense, but you have guys behind him as well that can really take away some work. And one of the guys that thinks very sneaky is Jaquan Gardner. So Jaquan Gardner was in the AAF. He made a team in the XFL without even, without even practicing. Like he was hurt and they said, okay, come here and just we'll talk. And he made it because he's that skilled. They like what they saw in the AAF. So it's a loaded backfield. He has a chance to separate himself at 3,600. Jaquan Gardner, say like week six of the XFL towards the middle to end of the season, um, he could be a guy that I see as like a seven or $8,000 player. That doesn't mean it all comes right now, but keep a close eye on him. One of these weeks, he's going to pop. But Kenneth Farrell right now is the guy in line if you're drafting in regulars or season-long formats, should be the guy that you want. This week, I would have him behind Cameron Artist Payne, Michael Dunbar. He'd be very close to Cook and Elijah Hood for me. I think that's it on this side. I mean, Devin Smith, some of the guys in Tampa are, are just... I don't have too much interest. Quinn Flowers is going to be more of like a gadget guy. Some of those double pass attempts he'll have opportunities for. So Quinn Flowers at 3,900 is sneaky because he's going to be that gadgety player in sort of a Taysom Hill. He's going to pass the ball. He's going to run the ball. He's listed as a running back and he's also going to receive the ball. So lots of options for him as well. Um, Houston, not much interest. There's so many Houston running backs. They're not going to run a lot. They don't pass the running back a lot. D'Angelo Henderson would be the guy I like the most just because of his passing game responsibility at 4,500. But again, it's just yet to be seen how much running backs will be used in this offense. And by all the looks of it, from the history that we have on this coaching staff, it's probably not going to be that much. So getting down to wide receiver now, this is the position where wide receiver and tight end are put into the same player pool on DraftKings right now. Um, And tight ends just it's hard to favor tight ends in the flex or wide receiver over a lot of these or or wide receiver positionality over the established running backs in wide receivers, right? It's really hard to want to go out there and favor them because they're just one, not going to be used. There's only eight teams in this league. Half the teams don't even care about using them in the passing game. And they're mainly running game. One team doesn't even have a tight end on the roster right now. And the other teams, they have one or two decent guys. And we'll talk about those tight ends that I think possess upside at their price points, but nothing that's going to just blow you away. So Usually you're not going to see a lot of tight ends going to be rostered. One or two makes sense, especially if they're used as wide receivers. And I'll discuss those guys here. But other than that, just be aware that you have two flex spots. I really like the format that DraftKings did with this. You don't have to roster a tight end. Uh, No kicker, thank God. Defense still, but that's fine. I wish we didn't have the defense to roster, but what are you going to do? You take what you can get. So this is interesting for wide receiver. There's there's so many guys underpriced. There's guys that should be 
are, are like half the prices, but they should be or somewhere around there. And then there's guys who are appropriately priced. Sammy Coates at 9,300, appropriately priced. Uh, Houston drafted three wide receivers early. He was not the first one off the board, but he's probably the most established one off the board. Again, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, they have no tight ends on this roster. He's the deep threat on this offense. He'll be probably on the left side of the field running deep routes, go routes, a lot of the game. At 9,300, it's completely fine. If you have the money left over, Sammy Coates seems like one of the more secure wide receiver plays in the slate. That being said, though, there's guys three, four thousand, five thousand dollars less than him that will have a very similar role in their offense or in this exact same offense as Sammy Coates. So he's priced up because of the name recognition, his experience. He's going to be the quote unquote number one receiver on paper, the X receiver, if you will on paper, but it's not really uh, worth this $5,000 difference, in my opinion, when you're trying to prioritize players. Again, I would rather have the top end wide or top end quarterbacks than Sammy Coates, if that's what you're choosing between. But if you, if you have the leftover money, I think Coates is completely fine. Trey McBride, the player that was traded for, um, traded earlier this season for Rashad Ross uh, from Houston to LA is a situation where I think he's in a perfect situation in LA. They need more of a chain mover, a guy who can run crisper routes, get in and out of them. And that's exactly what Ross is. 5,500 is just way too cheap for the skill set. He'll be the number one receiver in LA with a very quality quarterback for this league throwing the ball to him. I like him a lot. Jazz Ferguson, former Seahawk, again, a speed and power guy in the red zone will be an immense threat. He's, in my opinion, going to be the number one receiver for Dallas. Your only concern is that a backup quarterback will be throwing to him. That being said, a lot of these guys are already backups coming in. Even the starters can be classified as backups. They're just starting in this league. So Jazz Ferguson at 4,200, way too cheap. Um, Again, red zone work there. You're going to get possession work for him and even downfield. A lot of things stand out. He is the flashiest guy in this team, without a doubt, in the wide receiver position. Do not let people get you confused about Khalil Lewis. Khalil Lewis right now is projecting out to be the number two receiver in this Houston offense. The number two receiver in the Houston offense is probably going to be a number one receiver in 60% of the other offenses in this league. Khalil Lewis was the number one quarterback drafted by Houston ahead of Sammy Coates. Um, He was drafted ahead of Cam Phillips. So they had a lot of upside in him because of his draft capital and how much it actually cost him to get him. I believe that he'll project that as a number two receiver, but there's a good chance it could be Cam Phillips. So Cam Phillips at 5,100, Khalil Lewis at 4,100. Both of these guys, whoever is the wide receiver too, I prefer more. So we'll see when we get the official depth chart and starting news. But right now I'm going to project that as Khalil Lewis, just because he was drafted ahead of Cam Lewis in the XFL draft. But I think both of them are completely fine to get to. Cleo Lewis, you get a price discount on as well. And again, these guys are, in Lewis's case, more than half or less than half the price of Sammy Coates, who again, Coates, the more established, probably credentials and experienced receiver, going to be running deeper routes on the outside. Lewis probably going to be on the right side. I should look okay as well. Sim Cobbs Jr. or Simi Cobbs Jr. in DC can have uh, Cardell throwing in the ball if you're trying to stack. 3,800, probably the wide receiver two on this one. Um, he's going to be opposite if I had to imagine Rashad Ross, and he's a lot cheaper at just 3,800. Um, it just means less attention for him. He's going to be either the wide receiver two or wide receiver three in this offense. It's really yet to be seen. You have Eli Rogers, so in theory, he'll be the wide receiver three in terms of skill sets. You'll have Rashad Ross and Eli Rogers ahead of Simi Cobbs. But Eli Rogers during his entire tenure in the NFL with the Steelers mainly was a slot wide receiver. So if you set this up as Rashad Ross on the left side, Eli Rogers in the slot for DC, and then Simi Cobbs on the right side, you're you're seeing more upside in the wide receiver two role from Simi Cobbs. You referred to the slot as sort of a wide receiver three in more than not in more instances than not. So Sammy Coates, Trey McBride, Jazz Ferguson, Khalil Lewis, and Simi Cobbs stand out to me, and then Cam Phillips as well in Houston. 
Guys who are secondary interests, Rashad Ross and Eli Rogers, the other receivers in DC. Simi Cobbs is just a cheap price point. I prefer paying up for Sammy Coates. Um, if you want to get to Rashad Ross, he's fine. He's one of the best receivers in this league. If you're going off of the AAF metrics, just be safe by doing that. The AAF, the AAF was a skill gap well, 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 in my opinion, below what the XFL is about to roll out there from the caliber of players and talent that they have, especially on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to quarterbacks, cornerbacks and safeties. So although Rashad Ross had a great time and was one of the best players in the AFF, AAF, if not the best, him being priced as the third highest priced player, including quarterbacks, the most uh, highly priced wide receiver and or running back or tight end is a little bit, I would say, questionable to me. Now, the price point's fine if you have the money. I do think he has upside. I do think he has one of the best quarterbacks throwing him the ball, an AAF stud, if you will, once again. But how much does that really mean when you're going to be going up against much better competition? Um, so I think he's in play without a doubt. Eli Rogers, 9,100 seems like a lot. Look, he's experienced. He's talented. He'll probably work in the slot, but also go to the outside like he did in the preseason. But again, $9,100 for a guy who might not work downfield as much. And in PPR formats, if he has a six reception game, seven reception game, uh, and with these, these faster play clocks and pace of game, maybe it's even eight receptions. That's obviously going to get you there at 9,100. Just might not have as much big play upside. He will be used a lot in the red zone, though. He was on their red zone packages in the preseason. So Rodgers is pretty close to a yes, the price point keeping him down a little bit. Nelson Spruce stands out at LA for me a little bit. Nick Truesdell. So this one's something that I should point out. So Nick Truesdale, he's 6,900 Tampa Bay versus uh, New York this week. He's actually a tight end, but he's being used as a wide receiver in the offense, being used a lot around the red zone. $6,900 is a nice price discount. I would prefer Trey McBride, Jazz Ferguson, Cleo Lewis, all those other guys, but he is one of the only two or three tight ends in the league that I would actually have interest in rostering. The other guy is much, much cheaper, and I would prefer rostering Donald Parham, who's 2,600 tight end for Dallas this week in a better offense, who should start and be on the field a lot in the tight end position um, relative to other tight ends in this league. So He's only 2,600. The issue for him though is a lot of these wide receivers on the offense might run, I don't know, 50, 60 routes. I don't know what we're actually going to see out there based on pace of play. Whereas him as a tight end, he still might only run like 25, 30, but he's priced for that. So uh, Donald Parham and or and um, Nick Truesdell or Truesdell are going to be the two tight ends I would actually consider. Don't have a ton of interest in either of them though. Jeff Bidet at 8,800 Dallas against St. Louis. He was the number one pick by Dallas. Number one wide receiver pick, just number one pick for them ahead of actually Jazz Ferguson. I do prefer Ferguson for half the price. I think he's going to be the better receiver on this team. This is just a situation where I just think the algorithms for DraftKings are going to be as worse as they possibly can for week one because they're just going off of some news and not as much in-depth detail news as a lot of us analysts are doing. So I do prefer Jazz Ferguson, but Jeff Bidet, it's an offense that has two really good receivers. It would be Bidet and Ferguson in that offense that stand out the most to me. Flynn Nagel stands out as a slot style wide receiver for Dallas as well. So their wide receiver in core should be Jazz Ferguson and Jeff Bidet on the outside. And then Flynn Nagel in the slot at just 3,900. Very similar to Eli Rogers. Now, Eli Rogers, more experienced, more downfield usage probably. But Flynn Nagel will be used in the slot as a PPR guy. And he's very cheap at 3,900. Stands out as a guy who probably picks up no ownership because who the heck wants the roster except for the name, Flynn Nagel. Um, pretty cool name, but I think he is actually a strong PPR option as long as you see him listed as the starter. Uh, McCall McKay for New York against Tampa seems like a fine option at 9,900. I prefer Sammy Coates. I prefer Rashad Ross up there in that price range, though, and some of the other um, running running backs as well. And then Saeed Blacknall, former Penn State player, I believe he was on the Oakland Raiders for a span as well, just really as a practice squad guy. For LA, he's at 5,900. He, he should project, and we'll see when we get these rosters, as a top three wide receiver. He's a big downplay receiver, contested catch type of guy, has breakaway speed and just a ton of muscle type of guy around the red zone is where you'll see him use the most. So keep an eye on Blacknell at 5,900. Um, again, if I had to rank him, he'd be like a 15th receiver option for me as of right now, but he is somebody who's interesting. 
And then lastly, I'll point out Antonio Callaway. We kind of mentioned it when we were talking quarterbacks, um, but he's not going to be playing this week. Carted off the field. We'll see what his status is as the week goes on. So this is the first look video. I'll be back Thursday to give you some rankings of each of these positions and my final thoughts. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, I'll wave to you. Be sure to subscribe over here. Hit the like button on the podcast. Leave a review. Follow me on the social medias and check out my Patreon exclusive content. If you want more of these types of podcast episodes, they will be two a week moving forward and also cash game tiers and rankings and a discord over on Patreon. Thank you so much. You all rock. My name's Sal. You already know that by now. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.